Alrighty, folks, welcome into another brand new edition of the 901 Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Lawrence Docker. You can find me on Twitter at LDoc93. You can find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. You can find us on Facebook as well. Just search 901 Soccer and we will pop right up. Okay, so the topic of the day today is uh, the Memphis Americans return to action at the Lander Center at South Haven uh, for a men's and women's doubleheader against the Columbus Rapids. And I think it's a story that is worth, you know, paying attention to because both the men's team and the women's team for the Memphis Americans are awesome. Uh, the Memphis Americans team moved to 5-0 and this past, this past weekend at the Landers Center with a 6-3 win, I believe, over the men's Columbus Rapids team. And then the women's team absolutely pounded the Columbus women's team by a score of 7-3 to improve to 4-0-1 on the season. And to clarify, uh, the one in indoor soccer is not a draw. There are no draws. Uh, that is just an overtime loss. Uh, I don't remember what the point situation is, What the whether it's three for a win, two for a win, one for an overtime loss. I don't... <sighs> I've, got to, I've got to do more research before, before jumping in on these things, but... We uh, we do what we can with what we have, um, which is to say, not a whole lot. But anyway, Memphis Americans men's team big win, undefeated on the season. Women's team big win, four zero and one on the season. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that, the game day experience a little bit. Uh, tell you what I liked about each team, what I didn't like. Uh, brief discussion about Coach Corey Adamson. And then we will uh, get you out of here with uh, you know, when the next home game is. But before we go any further, I just wanted—I just do want to remind everybody that uh, uh, despite this coming to you from the comfort of my home and not the Favor Firm Studios, that we are still brought to you by Favor Firm. If you are in North Mississippi or West Tennessee and are uh, you know facing a difficult financial financial situation for you know any number of reasons wage garnishment, bank garnishment, tax problems, uh, medical bills, credit card debt, eviction, foreclosure, vehicle repossession, anything like that, give the folks at Fave Firm a call and they can help kind of get you get you back on your feet and get you rolling again. That number is 662-536-1116. Again, if you're in West Tennessee, North Mississippi and our in a difficult financial spot, give them a call, 662-536-1116, and the Fave Firm team can help get you back where you need to be. So, that's out of the way. Let's talk about the situation with the Memphis Americans at the Lander Center. Um, it was a doubleheader. This was the first time the team had returned to action in South Haven since uh, a couple of days after Christmas, or the day before New Year's, December the 30th. It was a Thursday. Um, they were originally supposed to return last weekend, but due to the snow, the impending snow and potential for dangerous icy conditions outside, the league or the team, out of an abundance of caution, canceled that game last Sunday. I'm sure it'll be made up at some point. Uh, I don't know if they have announced when that's going to be, but uh, if that's, I will share that information with you when I find, if and when I find it out. Uh, so this was the first home game for almost a month, and uh, it was it was nice to be back. 
I was a little bit more aware of how to, you know, what to expect in terms of the flow of the game, what to look for, you know, you know, that sort of thing. You know, when you start something new and you don't know what to expect, you just, you don't know how to react to what you do end up seeing. But having been through it one time, having been there for one of the doubleheaders, uh, one thing that became very obvious that first game that that I covered was I was not going to be able to relay information to you guys on Twitter and Facebook the way that I do for 901 FC games, where like anytime something of note happens, I type it out and boom, hit press send. Things move much faster in indoor. It's a, it's a much smaller playing surface, and there's you know ball's not going to go out of play a whole lot. So it, it's it's a fairly fast paced, moving constantly type of game and so relaying information I would you know I'd as you would you know be if you were refreshing and scrolling through the Twitter feed you see a tweet brand new tweet come out about a shot on goal on this end and uh as I was hitting send we'd already moved down to the other end and five other things had happened so I was a little bit I, I was I was banging them out as fast as I could and wasn't able to keep up so in between that meant that women's game and the men's game that first time for me at the Lander Center, I just, I just decided, all right, I got I to gotta scale it back. So I think I did a pretty good job of still getting the big bullet points across, uh, the, you know, obviously the goals, the, uh, the blue cards, which I had forgotten from, I used to referee youth indoor at Snowden Grove years and years and years and years ago. Oh, I think it, it's probably been at least 10 years since I've refereed indoor soccer, and I'd forgotten that there was a thing about called blue cards. Basically, it's just, um, it's a blue card that just means you go to the penalty box for two minutes. And it's, I, I, I li- I've likened it, I've likened indoor soccer with the Americans to basically hockey on grass, hockey on turf, and, you know, with the penalty box and a two-minute power play and uh, stuff like that. It, it's, it's, it gets more and more similar all the time. Um, some of the, I've had a brief discussion with, uh, I was, uh, you know, two of the referees that were on that game I know and have worked with many times and, uh, it's all very fly by night kind of um it's it, the the way that, like the the rules are are, are evolving it might be the best is the way that it was relayed to me um no, didn't go into many specifics but they said you know yeah on uh, there was there was one example and I've completely forgotten what it was now about one of the rules that the first game first series of games was called a certain way and then there was a change and now it's called a different way um Oh my goodness, I have completely blanked. I'm sure by the time I stop recording, I'll remember what it was, and it won't do anybody any good. But, um, so it's 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 a little it, it can get a little bit rough and tumble out there. Uh, uh, some some there were some hard fouls into the boards that even in hockey might have been uh, send that guy to the box for roughing or charging or um, sometimes it got called, sometimes it didn't. Uh, Coach Adamson got drilled on the boards really hard on one play, and I think there was a blue card shown for that. Um, I did think an absolute power move by the, I don't know what the official, I don't know if he's the 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 he's not the he's not the fourth official, you know, because on a on a full size nine on one FC game, you've got the fourth official between the two benches, but we'll call this guy the third official, uh, who is in between the two penalty boxes next to the uh, clock operator. Uh, one of the players for Columbus got hit with a blue card and was sitting at the box and just kept running his mouth and kept going and going and going and going and going until he got a five-minute yellow card. So they had to bring, for Columbus, had to bring somebody from their bench over to the 
penalty box to serve out the remainder of this guy's two-minute penalty for the blue card, and then he had to sit in the box for an additional five minutes because he got the yellow card while he was sitting in the box, which I thought was very unique and interesting. Um, but hey, man, like, if you don't want to get the five-minute yellow, don't spend the whole time you're sitting in the box running your mouth. That's just, you know... That's the lo that's the logical part side of me, and that's the referee side of me as well, saying, hey, if you don't want X to happen, don't do Y. Or if you don't want Y to happen, don't do X. You know, whatever. Um, so that was interesting. Um, one thing I noticed in the men's game, and then noticed probably even more so in the women's game, was, and I'll have to ask Coach Adamson the next time I'm at the next time I see him at a game, is if it's a point of emphasis, because their set-piece routines, uh, to the extent that there are set-pieces where, you know, if you're in your defensive third and indoor and you clear the ball out of play without it touching anybody or anything, I believe, uh, the other team gets a free kick at the top of the key, for lack of a better word. There's a little red dot where you can put the ball. And both the men's team and the women's team had several of those opportunities, and they scored on most of them. And not, like, direct from their free kick. They didn't just rifle it straight in there, I don't think. But it was one or two layoffs to, you know, hit back across the goalkeeper. And if they did it once, they did it five times apiece. Because it, it happened enough that it caught my attention. And I thought, that's probably a point of emphasis from Coach Adamson. Because that's something that they do, like, straight from the... Like, you'll see that happen in, like, a Premier League game or a USO game or whatever. Where they'll, you know, one or two passes off the set piece for a goal... And you'll hear the commentators or the announcers say, oh, that's straight from the training ground. And that was the impression that I got watching it live at the Lander Center yesterday was that that is straight from the training ground. Although, I wonder if the Lander Center is the training ground. I don't know. Um, but very impressive on the set-piece routines. Uh, the men improved to, like I said, 5-0. and They're the best team in the league. They're undefeated. It's... Uh, the women's team's 4-0-1. They're the best team in the league. They've only got one overtime loss. And I will tell you what, it is uh, really nice to cover. You know, we got it post-Labor Day with 901 FC where they just couldn't stop winning. And now we've gotten it with the Memphis Americans where it, it, it's a lot more, guys, I can tell you, it's a lot more fun to cover teams that are good and score a ton of goals than it is to cover a team that sucks. Because, man, I'll tell you what, that... Uh, that 2020 season with 901 FC, I've said it before and I'll say it again. It was it was rough. I was miserable. I really was. Uh, I did I, was, I did not look forward to going doing those games at all. And then the switch, like they, Ben Pierman got in there and it got a little bit better. And then they had that turning point against Birmingham. Uh, I hope Birmingham still enjoys that L, by the way. Um, and it became a lot more fun to co-cover them. I mean, even in 2019 when 901 FC wasn't winning. There were still, you know, there were those flashes. There were those moments. There were, uh, uh, you know, you had uh, the Open Cup run. You had, uh, you know, the newness of the team. You had the exhibition against Pachuca, even though it got hammered. Uh, and then you had a little bit of a mini run in September before the wheels fell off at the end of the season. But you had none of that in 2020. Um, and from start to finish, 2020 just sucked. And I hope what we're seeing with the Americans is the exact opposite of that, where just every game is awesome and they bang in nine or ten goals a game, which we were discussing with, uh, funnily enough, uh, before I just talk about what we were discussing with uh, Peter Sliwa, 
he actually had to serve the goal, Peter Slevo is the goalkeeper for the men's team, but he had to serve as the interim coach for the women's team for the women's game yesterday because in the Americans' previous game at Columbus, I was either at Columbus or at Rome or at Fayetteville. There's only three other teams in the league, and it's Columbus and Rome are two of them. I don't remember who the fourth one is. Um, they Coach Adamson was dismissed, was sent off, shown a red card. Which is, uh, I don't think in all, I mean, as much of a grouch and as hard as on the referees as Tim Mulqueen used to be, and still is apparently as like the goalkeeping coach at Lausanne, uh, I don't think Tim Mulqueen was ever dismissed from a game. Because I'm not, certainly not at AutoZone Park, he wasn't, because I was there for just about all of them. And I remember thinking, God, how was he still on the bench? How was he not just gone? Um, I, but, if, if, if somebody else remembers, if he was uh, dismissed from a, like, from a road game or something, but I don't think he ever was. So for Coach Adamson, like, four games into in the inaugural season's already been dismissed from the bench, that's uh, both hilarious and impressive, I guess, to uh, to have won up Tim Mulqueen in that way. Not that, that was his goal in any way, shape, or form. I just think it's kind of funny to, to look at it like that. Because Tim Mulqueen was a fiery guy, man. Um, and, you know, I... I there were several confrontations with referees uh, during the game, after the game, whatever. Uh, but I don't think he ever got dismissed. Um, so for Coach Adamson to have already been dismissed, I think, is just, uh, that's just wild. So he had to serve a suspension for the women's game yesterday. And so uh, men's goalkeeper, men's goalkeeper, Peter Sliwa, got in there and uh, did a fine job. That's what we were talking to him about after the game. Uh, they were like, yeah, uh, you know, we we were just kind of chatting with him on the field, and it was uh, Tim Van Horn and Jeff Brightwell from the YouTube commentary, and uh, we're just sitting there just chatting with him. We're like, and he, we're like, yeah, you know, man, y'all got that goal 30 seconds into the second half, and that made it like three or four to nothing. And he's like, yeah, after that, I was just, I didn't, I didn't really have to do anything else. I just said, yeah, y'all are playing good. Keep it up. <laughs> uh, those are always, and so we started making all kinds of jokes that uh, he needs to re go ahead and just retire from coaching with a perfect win percentage and, uh, See if he can uh, milk some sort of extra uh, perfect league play bonus or something like that. Uh, making all sorts of jokes. We were having a good time. It's a lot easier to crack jokes and have a good time when all your teams keep winning. Uh, but one thing we were discussing was kind of the state of indoor soccer in this country as a whole, and uh, discussing uh, there's apparently there's a uh, there's a team up in Baltimore that has a real big following. Uh, there's a team, I think they said the Comets in Kansas City, um, and they played a game at one point in time, or it might have been this weekend, because there's some sort of national convention going on. I think, again, don't hold me to this. I, I, I had uh, run into some other people that I knew. Uh, shout out to Nathan Walcott, uh, who y'all know from the Bluff City Mafia. Saw him there and was chatting with him, so I did not catch all of the conversation about the Kansas City Comets, question mark. Um, but they, Tim Van Horn was saying they played a game at the Sprint Center, which is like the big, giant, you know, FedEx Forum type arena in Kansas City, which frequently plays host to like Big 12 conference tournament basketball games, NCAA tournament basketball games. Uh, basically a home, a, home, a home away from home from Kansas basketball. So it's a, it's a fairly large arena. And if I'm not wrong... I don't think I am. I believe he said that they, at one point, don't know if it was this weekend or at a different time, they got like 17,000 fans to an indoor game there. 
Um, so, um, I mean, there's a team in Milwaukee that used to draw four, three, four, five thousand fans a game, according to uh, Peter Sliwa. Um, and so kind of the discussion was, how do we get that going here at the Lander Center? Because um, the crowds have exceeded my expectations and they have outdrawn the Memphis Hustle who play in the same building. But the numbers, if, if this team's going to stick around for more than just a year, the numbers are going have to have to have to have to bump up. Um, I would guess I didn't get a, an official tally or anything, and I don't know that I ever will. If I had to guess, I'd say there were probably three or four hundred people there yesterday. Um, the number that I was told, it wasn't a number, it was an estimate, uh, was over 700 for the season opener back on the day after Christmas. And then I'd say for the uh, for the game that I went to, the first game that I went to back on December the 30th, I'd say it was probably about 500 people, give or take. Again, I'm on the top of the upper bowl, so I don't know what's going on in the lower bowl beneath me. But I always like to think, unless it's one of the situations where they only sell tickets on one side to make it look better for TV, uh, I always try, I always just kind of assume that what I see on the opposite side is about what it looks like on the side below me. So um, I don't know if that's a good assumption or not, but um, so I always just kind of try to like look across the way and try to double what, what is over there for what I think the total is. Uh, so I would say probably yesterday somewhere between three and four hundred people. Um, which again is for as little marketing as they've been able to do for minor league indoor soccer in South Hayden, Mississippi, that is not bad at all. But again, if we want it to stick around, it's got to get better. And that was the discussion that we were having. We're just like, one of the things that helps is a lot of the people who don't really know anything about soccer or even more specifically indoor soccer, these games are fun. Like, they are getting, like, the, the Americans are putting on a show each and every time they go out there. They are, like, bank, bank like, seven goals uh, by the women's team. Yesterday, uh, that first game, they they scored five, including a last-minute buzzer beater. Uh, the men's team scored six both times they've played. Uh, the women's team, I think, in their opener scored ten. So, like, I mean, you can go and see a lot of fun stuff, a lot of goals happen. Um so if you haven't gone, I highly recommend it. I know a lot of the listening audience is not terribly close to South Haven to the Lander Center. Uh, and it's a, it's a bit of a hike from uh, like Bartlett or Midtown or wherever in Memphis. But if you get a chance, uh, you should go. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. So I think that'll wrap it up for us here today. Just a little, you know, short and sweet. Nothing nothing too terribly in-depth. Just a brief little recap. Um but yeah, it's it, these games are a lot of fun. They're highly entertaining, and it's a you know it's two games for the price of one, and you're in and out in about three hours. It's not, you know you're not going to be there for a, a, a tr- huge tremendous amount of time, and um, it's a uh, I guess the blessing in disguise of you know the crowds not being all that massive is that you're not going to have to deal with traffic. You can just get in your car and roll on out, hop on fifty five, and go back to wherever. Um, so I, yeah, it just, if you haven't gone, I highly recommend it. It's a lot of fun. We were discussing, um, something I've yelled at 901FC about to do for three years and for the most part seem reluctant to do. I was telling, uh, uh, the folks yesterday, I was like, look, do like I've said to do with 901 is show up at 
Mike Rose and show up at Snowden and show up at these tournaments and put up a little tent and say, hey, come to these games. And I think that that is one thing the Americans have done probably better than any other kind of marketing that they've tried to do is showing up and having like a booth or a table or whatever set up at certain events. I know there were, I think when the Morgan Wallen concerts, like four, there were like four of them, I think, were at the Lander Center. And don't get me started on Morgan Wallen. Like, ugh, just anyway. Um, I think that it was, since that was at the Lander Center, they had like a table or a booth or something like that set up there every night. Um, I feel like they've, they, they had a, a, an event at the Grizzlies game one night, not too long ago. Um, or like there was like a job fair going on at the Lander Center for, I think, Southland Park of all places. And they were having like a little, hey, come see the Americans. Uh, so they, I feel like setting up a tent or a booth or a table or a, or a information kiosk at some sort of event is something, I feel like I've seen that on their social media feeds fairly often, so that's something they're aware of and know how to do well. So that's something they certainly could do to help kind of grow the brand and get more people to come to the games, which the next games, I think one of the problems so far is with that game getting canceled, you've got these big long gaps between home games. But the good news is... Uh, even though the next home game isn't until, like, basically for, like, three more weeks, I think, it's uh, it's like a Friday-Saturday doubleheader against Rome, I believe. So it'll be a uh, men's and women's doubleheader on Friday, and I think that's February the 11th, and then a men's and women's doubleheader on Saturday, February the 12th. So it's like Valentine's Day weekend. And one, one of the reasons the River Kings back in the day were very successful is you had those Friday-Saturday doubleheaders and which were just an absolute blast. The River Kings used to, you know, with Bozier would come to town, you'd get four or 5,000 people for each of those games on a Friday and a Saturday, and you knew stuff was going to go down on Saturday because they had just played each other the night before, and there was a little bit of bad blood, and there wasn't time to move past it. Uh, so I wonder if we might get to see stuff like that for this upcoming Friday-Saturday doubleheader next month. All right, but that is going to wrap it up for us here today. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for... Uh, coming out. Uh, oh, one more thing before I uh, before I let you go is if there's anybody out there other than Fave Affirm that is interested in sponsoring the show, uh, please feel free to reach out. We will gladly take your money and pimp out whatever product you would like. Uh, you know, if it's if it's a product, if it's a service, if it's a uh, I don't know, products and services. What else can you advertise for? Um, if you if you want to pay us, we will do it. Um, I have. Uh, Unless it's just something totally off the wall, off the deep end, abhorrent, uh, but I will, I will be the judge of that. Um, uh, for the most part, I'll do it. So just uh, feel free to DM us on Facebook or Twitter or reach out or add us or whatever you want to do, and we can, we can get something figured out. So that's that. And everybody, thanks again for listening. I'm Lawrence Dockery. Find me on Twitter at LDoc93. Find the 901 Soccer Podcast on Twitter at 901 Soccer Pod. Find us on Facebook, search 901 Soccer, and uh, we will talk to you in February.